0: here, there and everywhere. <laughs> SAFM 104.6 FM Entwine <laughs> Well I'm just having an internal joke with Lasekhon Brafini. I'm saying that the guests on our show are as heavy punches as you can get. We've had a premiere, we have had a doctor and we're about to have another one is Lumoyo, who is at the HSRC as the research director in the Human and Social Capabilities Program. Of course, the HSRC, in partnership with UKZN's Nelson Mandela School of Medicine, will conduct a joint survey looking at how COVID-19 is impacting on health workers. Health workers are on the front lines of the global fight against COVID-19 across the world, with South Africa being no exception. Health workers also have been infected by the virus, so oh, think St. Augustine indeed. With this in mind, then, the two institutions HSRC, UKZN School of Medicine, would like to understand how the virus is affecting South African health workers both physically and emotionally. Tell us more about this fantastic engagement. Um, This is a fascinating topic and a very critical one because we keep applauding them as the soldiers of the day, but at the same time, soldiers are as vulnerable to this COVID-19 as anybody else. Dr. Moyo, good evening. Thanks for your time.
1: Good evening. Thank you very much for having me, uh, for having HSRC on your program tonight.
0: Vulnerabilities of health workers, what have you uncovered so far? What have we learned from the closing down now of St. Augustine Hospital in KZN?
1: Okay, so we, we are in the process of uh, collecting the, the information from our survey. Our survey is still going on, so we haven't really analyzed the data, but we're in the process of collecting the information. We're hoping to close the survey on Thursday, on the 23rd. So this is actually a wonderful opportunity for us to talk about the work and also to reach out to um, the population that we're targeting, the people, the healthcare workers, and also the other people who are working in the health sector to participate in the survey so that we can get to understand what the issues are, what the perceptions, what the knowledge is, and what the concerns are from the people who are on the front line who are our healthcare
0: workers. But for the most part, at least what one can get on the news and then just in general social media spaces, and what is clearly a global problem is the PPE, that's the the protective gear, essentially is just not available, and that absent availability is an inherent risk to the spread of the virus between patients and the frontline members of staff. To the extent that that there is this great global shortage, which becomes a South African shortage by extension, what are the obvious challenges that that poses outside the infection itself? I mean, what does it pose to the institution of public health in South Africa broadly, never mind what is then taken to our homes at a social and societal level?
1: i think it's it's you're quite correct there is a global shortage of the uh, personal protective equipment and obviously it then creates um certain concerns uh you know for healthcare workers who are uh, in the front line and what it calls for then is for greater vigilance uh, as the healthcare workers go into the front line i think what has been encouraging in south africa is how the the stakeholders, especially government has been engaging and from what we see in the media, um, you know, doing everything that they can to get uh, the equipment that is required by, by frontline workers. And what is also um, uh, important for South Africa is the response that the government has taken. I think most people have listened and have seen the presentation and the discussion that was given uh, by Professor Karim around the response to South Africa and the time that we've managed to buy um, in the country in terms of preparing uh, before we hit our peak uh, period. We would expect that there would be a great demand for um, items such as uh, PPE. So in that regard, we're able to prepare and government is able to source um, the materials that are required. And given that there is a global shortage, but I think what is encouraging is that we're doing the best what we have and we haven't reached the peak levels like what we've had reported in other countries. I think today I heard that in the UK, if I if I heard correctly, some people were being asked to reuse some of the masks. We're not there yet in South Africa. And the response in the stance that has been taken by the authorities is trying to, you know, do as much as can be done to so that we don't reach that same uh, level. This flattened the curve a message that we're hearing is to help us to manage with what we have so
0: that we don't reach those situations where the situation is dire. What does this shortage and the challenges that have since surfaced because of COVID, which are not necessarily COVID-related problems, but are just exacerbated by COVID, healthcare facilities and their offerings, the inherent vulnerability, safety, for instance, being one of the crazy issues that field workers in public health care are now facing to the extent that hospitals are manned by security personnel what outside the ppe's that are required to protect the frontline staff what other measures are coming through now or have always been there which will have to be tackled con um in, in conjunction with the challenges facing COVID, to protect the staff and the administrators from those who see them as sitting ducks? In other words, those who want to profit or otherwise destabilize the healthcare facilities.
1: I think, in a way, um, when, when, I, when I think about South Africa, we, we have had to deal with quite uh, a number of of what we may call endemic conditions. For example, if we take tuberculosis, we know that tuberculosis is different from, from COVID-19, but it's also an infectious condition. So there's some inherent uh, structures and strengths that we have in the country, and that are also enforced in our healthcare facilities. So apart from the personal protective equipment that we talk about, there's what we call structural measures. How do we patients uh, who are coming in into the system, into our health facilities. Where how do we um, separate people who might have an infectious condition uh, that is easily trans- transmittable, such as COVID-19, and those who may have something that is not, you know, infectious? So there are some inherent strengths that uh, we know from some of the conditions that we've managed. I come from a background where I've had to deal with tuberculosis. So there's a a lot of learnings that have come through. So the use of masks, like the N95 respirator mask, is not necessarily a new thing in South Africa. They've been widely used already uh, to deal with things like tuberculosis. We know that we've got a high burden of drug resistant tuberculosis. So some of the structural measures that have always um, existed. now is the time that we can strengthen them, and I think most of the healthcare workers will be aware of of, of many of the structural measures and the infection control practices, which are uh, you know are the policies and the structures that exist and have already been uh, you know um, put forward by government. Is now is the time for us to, to strengthen those and to make sure that those are implemented, uh, you know, very stringently, uh, and I think that the the public and maybe other people who are not necessarily in the health system is just to be aware that uh, there they are rules and their procedures and sometimes when people at the facilities and were being triaged and, and people say you go this way you go this way there's uh, you know there's a reason why people are being uh, directed into various uh, places because of what they might be presenting with so there are some things that south africa has that i think we can build on that can be strengthened and and I think that is one of the strengths
0: that we have in the country. Talking about the things that South Africa does have and can be strengthened on, a a, a lot of that actually turns on the political will to transform the available resources and making them, to the extent that those resources can stretch, stretch to where they're most needy. For instance, we had a whole conversation about the Eastern Cape earlier on with the Premier and a technical advisor in the Health Department, a certain Dr. Louvouio, Um, And they were at pains to explain away some of the inherent challenges which were long there before COVID-19 and are even still being ignored, so to speak, in the advent of COVID when especially you need the public health care sector to be on high alert and mobilizing resources of the state and also partnering and coordinating efforts with other departments within the province. And, and of course, you still have the challenges that you are because the Eastern care for the longest time was sitting at zero, and then they had one. And then before you knew it, they are where they are now, which is in the top half of the country as opposed to being at the bottom where they were not so long ago. In fact, this time last month. Now, there are those structural challenges that ought to be addressed. That leads me now to the survey itself that you are launching. What are the questions you are really wanting to probe? Because I can't imagine that healthcare workers are not affected by the paucity of administrative coordination and effective dispute, I mean, resources distribution. Those who are on the outskirts feel the pain of being on the outskirts, simply because they do not access the services. Think about that, please. We're gonna take an ad break, and afterwards, we're gonna have your response. Dr. Sizulu Moyo, who is at the HSRC. (laughs) On, on SFM. Dr. Sizulumoyo, Human and Social Capabilities Program Research Director at the HSRC, talking to us about the partnership launch between the HSRC and the University of KZN to find out the impact of COVID-19 on South Africa's health workers, both physically and emotionally. And I've asked a response in terms of how physically and or emotionally the effect of lack of resource distribution and coordination in the public health care sector, particularly in South Africa's rural provinces, might be affected not just the health outcomes of the sickly and those who need the services, but in particular and especially those who are there charged to be the men and women at the points of service in public health care. Your response, please, Doc. Okay. So
1: so in this survey, you, you're quite right. We, we are targeting all healthcare workers have been... Rural and we've tried to, for those who respond to tell us where they are. Are you in a remote rural area? Are you in a, in an urban uh, center? How far you are? And then, uh, we also ask them uh, about their knowledge, uh, you know, and also how they are getting the information and how Are satisfied or how confident they are with the information that is trickling down to them? Where are they getting the information through the structures and and where they work? And there are questions around uh, the PPE that we spoke about earlier. Are they, do they have access to to the PPE? Uh, Is the PPE available to everybody? So, for example, if say a nurse is responding to this survey, they'll be able to tell us and respond as to how For that particular nurse, PPE is available in, is accessible to them. If it's a doctor, they'll be able to tell us. If it's, you know, all the various categories, so we'll be able to get that information. In terms of um, how they are doing, you know, from a uh, psychological point of view, we also have those questions where we ask them how they are coping, uh, uh, you know, how they are feeling, how they are coping under the circumstances in in which they they are working in. We also have got questions that ask about their perceptions in terms of their risk. How, how do they perceive themselves to be at what risk level? And then we'll be able to analyze that and, uh, you know, uh, correlate that with where are they working. Um, you know, what? How did they? Res- how did they respond to the questions that speak about PPE? So we'll be able to make those interactions and to see what the data shows at the end of the year. So we will to make it as comprehensive as possible. And just to say that this is the first round of the survey, what we, we plan to do, given that this is an evolving uh, you know, pandemic uh, globally and also in the countries, that we will then do another take, uh, say a month from now and see whether things have changed and how things have changed. So this will be more like your baseline assessment, the first one that we look at from healthcare workers and then we'll be able to look again with everything that is taking place as to if they change, is getting better how we change. In the system?
0: What was the trigger for this specifically? There must have been something that must have disturbed, if you like, the equilibrium to the point that you are like oh, health workers are vulnerable, let's assess them through the survey.
1: Well, I think the, as the information about the pandemic uh, started trickling in from uh, other countries, we first saw what was happening in China and we also saw what was happening in other countries. I think, um Italy is a very good example. I mean, now the United States, when we, everybody who's following COVID-19 can read around what is happening with the healthcare workers. I think many people would have thought around where are we in South Africa? What is our take and how do we respond? And part of that response from the HSRC was to say, in terms of the, all these surveys that we are rolling out, you may know that this is not the only survey that we are rolling out. In terms of all these surveys that we are rolling out, we need to focus on our frontline workers so that we can, you know, generate the information that can then be fed to, to government to support the responses that we are developing and implementing for the country. So it is a concern um, in terms of being aware that the healthcare workers are the front line and we need them to have their needs and and, and requirements met so that they can be that line of defence for the country.
0: Have you engaged any public bodies for the purposes of just making sure not only they know that this is taking place but equally become partners, especially at the end when you have your recommendations, which will come from the responses you are now busy collecting, for implementation, targeted implementation on live data—that is the account of certainly at this stage a critical stakeholder in mitigating the effects of COVID nineteen.
1: Yes, yeah, so just by the nature of HSRC, we work with uh, with quite a lot of partners, and I think uh, working with KwaZulu Natal is one such example because it's not only for HSRC, but it's really feeding into the you know the broader. Um, system into the country as it were. And by the way, this survey is not only targeting um, public sector workers, but also the private sector. So we are engaging very widely, and uh, through the structures that have been set up, there will be broader engagement as to the findings, what do the findings mean, and how are they then taken forward in terms of addressing any gaps, you know, going ahead with any strengths that would have been uh, identified.
0: And I suppose this then does take me to what is to be my penultimate question. The work then as the HSRC, specifically the Human and Social Capabilities Program, what is that about? Do link it, please, to the specific work on COVID-19 and the survey that you're doing and why the South Africans are listening now should not just be interested, but really should be engaging that work that you do for the purposes of better social outcomes, if you like.
1: So, oh, in the human and social capabilities, we do a broad range of, of social science uh, research. I think uh, in, term in, in which feeds into information around the health and the well-being of our system. The flagship project that many people might know has been around the work of HSA on HIV surveillance, which is one of the key work that uh, our program does, and this uh, provides information of government, and also it feeds into other international, uh, you know, uh, bodies in terms of the response to the HIV uh, uh, epidemic. So this is also part of that uh, human uh, and social capabilities. How do we support, you know, the health and well-being uh, of the nation? So this is one of those responses in terms of this survey, using the capabilities that we have in conducting this large um, research surveys uh, and providing information quickly and rapidly to support uh, relevant stakeholders to use that information to respond. And we would really urge the um, people in the health sector who are listening. We have had a relatively good response from people I may call those who are providing clinical service, but this survey also targets, as you mentioned earlier, people like your administrative staff, people like the security people greet us at the doors, people who clean in the facilities, people who have food in the health facilities. We also target in those, and we really want to encourage them to also participate. And if you may allow me, I can just share yes, the please. the um, the, okay. the link that they can uh, use to get onto the website. Mm-hmm. It is it is forward slash heroes as in H E R O E S. And this is, this, this, once you go into this link, you don't need to use your data. So it's a data-free service, and you can just complete uh, the survey. We would really appreciate it. I think people would know that the more people participate, the more valid, uh, the more reliable the information that we get. And so we can be more competent in terms of what are we finding. And so moving forward to make recommendations, then they are more solid, they are more robust because they are, they are based on a uh, good response rate.
0: There are potential trolls, of course, whenever you have an online survey that is generally available to the public. How do you ensure that, or how do you safeguard, because you can't quite ensure, how do you safeguard against Asongas or abusing this platform to write nonsense? Would I be asked for my details? Will there be follow-up to my submitting my responses to the survey just to ensure that what I have put forward in the initial survey, the follow-up therefrom will make sure that indeed I am bound and have reasoned why I have submitted as I have?
1: Well, I think um, in general, online surveys are a bit different uh, than, you know, the other surveys which we have generally conducted, which are your face-to-face surveys, which obviously we cannot do uh, at this time. So we we do rely on the good faith of of, uh, those who participate. And if I may just say, when people go onto the link, they, they can contact our lead researcher. They can contact uh, the ethics committee. And we've had some people contacting us and really have no, you know, we're quite confident that the majority of people who are participating are the relevant practitioners that we're targeting or the population that we're targeting because we've had responses and suggestions as to how we can improve some of the areas where they've identified uh, gaps. So we are just um, relying on you know on the reliability as it is for other online online surveys. What is uh, interesting is that we can correlate with other information you know that's coming. For example, mm. we know what is being reported is in the media, so we can correlate we know that from what we have seen uh, from what has been reported, there is concern about PPE. So our data will be able to correlate that. Uh, so it's not only standalone, but we are correlating that uh, with what we, some data that is available anecdotally. Also, when we do the second round of this, session, we'll be able to even be more confident in what we're finding. Finally, we, South Africa is not unique. I think this COVID-19 pandemic, some people say it's a great level. Uh, in some ways, it is a great level. I know that there are still inequalities, but... In terms of what we expect to see in the health system, there is some precedent, and we know where we are, uh, you know, with the challenges that we have in South Africa. So we can be able to triangulate also with information that's coming from other countries so that we can, you know, be able to gauge on the validity of of the uh, information that we collect from this.
0: I disagree when you say the COVID-19 is a great leveler. It's a great leveler if the systems in place to deal with it are there and effectively deployed. And then people simply turn on arrogance for what they will ultimately be leveled by. But in a South African context, you've got information asymmetry, you've got absence of resources where they are largely needed. There's a picture now circulating on our Twitter feed showing scenes, live scenes, of what's happening in the Eastern Cape. Cape Town, vehicles carrying food are being looted. The COVID nineteen is really talking about South Africa's inequality.
1: You're you're absolutely right. So I'm I'm talking about it in terms of what I expect from the health system. So I, I if I'm talking okay, look, if I'm talking about challenges. It. Yeah. So it, I I agree with you hundred percent. They are. A lot of inequalities, a lot of discrepancies.
0: So there I am really with you 100%. No. Thank you very, very much, Dr. <laughs> okay. Sizaru Moyo, Research Director in the HSRC's Human and Social Capabilities Program. If you do want to participate in that survey, please visit the website as www.hsrc.co.za forward stroke heroes www.hsrc. .co.za, forward stroke heroes, the plural thereof. Sorry, it's .ac, I beg your pardon, not co, it's ac, it's an academic institution, .ac.za. Thank you. Nonetheless, let's continue. It's the book reading. To quote myself, Kaya Langer, let's listen to his fascinating account of his young journey.